as a new manager, a lot of people impose on themselves this whole new persona that they have to be because they have an idea of what a manager is. And a manager has all the answers for everything and they can fix anything and they know everything and they're this, you know, larger than life being. And one of the most powerful things that I've been able to equip people with is not only the ability to say this, but the permission sometimes to say, I don't know. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all, and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor turned life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. Today's guest focuses on making management less intimidating, customizable, and repeatable. Sarah Shalau has a professional background of over 15 years in communication design, specializing in human-centered design principles. She has spent the last eight years honing her management style and helping new managers find their footing using the same human-centered principles that made her successful as a designer. Sarah Schallauer is on the show sharing how human design in the creative space translate in the, into the management and leadership zone. When you care about people and seek to understand their needs, you can serve them while they help you build your company by design. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're so excited to have this conversation. Um, I know you're you're new, jumping into a, a new entrepreneurial journey, and so I guess share share what's motivating you, what's driving you to jump into entrepreneurship. That's a great question. Um, I've heard a lot of stories from other entrepreneurs that um, I think there's a little bit of craziness that we all have to say, sure, I want to sign up for that challenge. Um, but for me, the biggest driving force is what I was able to identify that I find myself uniquely qualified to do to help people um, with with this coaching and, and uh, mentorship kind of role I love that I get the opportunity to do this with so many people at, you know, where I've worked, where I've worked in the past, people I know in my real world network. Why not try to help more people, you know, with with COVID and everything that happened with the technology that's changed and evolved and people's acceptance of technology specifically around, uh, you know, Zoom calls and all of those things, I think it's really opened up a lot of doors that I want to see what's behind them. You know, is there an opportunity there? Is there something where I can help more people? Uh, and I'd love to have that opportunity. All right. So 
So talk about your your expertise a little bit and how you're going to translate that into into your own business. So my expertise actually might sound weird that it comes from the world of design, whereas my business is leadership coaching. How do those two things connect? So my background in design was was and, and still is very, very focused on human-centered design principles. Uh, where you really focus on how to identify the end user, understand, empathize with them to a deeper level so that you can create whatever product that you're creating, whether it's an app, whether it's a website, sell sheet, piece of packaging, anything, whatever that you're putting in front of them, that it resonates with them on a very, very deep level in a way that is more authentic than any other competitor out there. What I realized, those same steps and processes that are second nature to me now in that design world is actually 100% applicable to the world of leadership coaching, mentoring managers, helping people connect uh, in a professional environment that might not have the same backgrounds or the same perspectives or the same type of personalities or interests, you can apply the same thinking and fundamentals to get those groups of people to connect with the shared goal of helping the people move forward and grow and develop all for business as well. Nice. So you mentioned connection. So let's dig into the value of of connection, obviously, um, you recognize its importance. Yeah. How, how does this? How does it translate for you as a as a business owner? How does it translate for you in helping business owners? That's a really good question. I think connection is something that a lot of people take for granted. I think it's something that we mostly experience without having to put a lot of effort into that. Uh, so when it doesn't happen, people think it just can't happen between people because it didn't happen effortlessly. And it can be hard. It can be hard, especially if you don't have a guidebook that can help you navigate how to connect with people who are different than yourself. Um, so for me and my business, what I, you know, to be fair, am still struggling with, like you said, I'm still very, very new. I, I think when we last spoke, I, I offhandedly remarked, I, like my company's been live for like a whole 20 some days. Like this is, it's new, um, is trying to get myself to connect with my company because I'm so used to doing it for other people, I'm having to do it for myself now. It's like a, a different challenge. Um, but really focusing on what are those principles? What are those guardrails? What are the steps? How can we simplify them and make them, you know, less intimidating, more repeatable and customizable for, for people moving forward? All right, so now you're digging. Now you're digging. <laughs> Let's. So you mentioned applies to leadership, applies to connection. 
how how is there a step by step process uh, for connection? What? So, one thing that I came across in my personal life as well. So this isn't just you know uh, managerial life. This is personal life as well. Talking to people, hearing people's stories, um, you know, hearing people you know, complain about a situation or express concern about something or unsure how to act or respond to a situation or a person, I kept finding myself asking the same question over and over and over again. And I got the same kind of, you're right, response. And I was like, to me, this is very simple because it's so hardwired into my brain. Wow, this is not what pops to people's mind. And the question is, did you ask them that? Did you talk to them? Did you share that? And the answer is no. 90 plus percent of the time, the answer is no. No, they did not share that. No, they did not talk, especially about how they feel or about how it made them feel. They're just assuming that other person in the dynamic should know that. Yeah. And then, then, <laughs> then they assume the person knows that and then, then they're maliciously doing what they're doing because they know how it would affect me. How dare they? And it, it can just so quickly spiral out of control. And if you just go back to the very, very base, the very, very first step, did you talk to them? You should probably talk to them. Oh, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> no, no, no. We can't have any of that, right? No none of, none talking. Of that communication. No. Oh, yeah. You're hitting a, a wonderful spot that most people just like I you've obviously come to recognize that most people don't don't live in the space that you live in. <laughs> and no, it, no. And and they and they hold on to these expectations. And for me, it's, 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 it's exaggerated in, you know, the TV rom-coms and the T TV shows. And, and that's the space, the space where they really play yeah. is, is in that expectation space um, for, for, for friends of the show, show friends, for, for fans of the show, friends, there was there was always the the Ross and Rachel and we were on a break, yeah. and and the whole thing goes down to their expectations of what defines a break and whether they were really mm -hmm. on a break. But they never ever ever <laughs> talk about what that implied or what their expectations should have been. Um, and and in real relationships, it's very 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 true that very few people are willing to step back and say, Hey, what you did there made me feel this way. Right. And if we well, won't do it, if we won't do it with our spouse, the one person closest to us that loves us more than anyone else on the planet, there's no way we're going to do it with a client or with, or with a coworker or <laughs> with a boss. Right. I mean, absolutely. this is relationship 101. And, and, and the truth is this one that one thing would would create so much connection and solve so many communication problems that 
that uh, I mean, it's revolutionary. What, what you are yeah. talking about, Sarah, is revolutionary. Well, and and I'm not the only person who says this. I mean, I, I've not. heard countless people say that. But what started to click for me, and when I was working with people professionally and personally, um, you know, friends and, and family, you can you can stand on your soapbox and say, well, did you talk to them? Did you communicate? Well, just do that and all your problems are solved. What's the problem? You know, but that doesn't actually help anyone. Well, it's like, think, it's like kind of tell them to, you know, don't be angry. Right. Can you calm down? <laughs> you know, that's just not going to work. <laughs> but if you can have that moment where you ask the question, get them to pause, and then continue to help them along the way after that to make the rest of the process less intimidating, that's where I started to realize I, I'm not only good at it, but I legitimately enjoy helping people through what I recognize, because I've been through it too, are terrifying, uh, anxiety-ridden moments in people's lives. And if you can just help them through one, the next one's going to be a little bit easier. And the next one's going to be a little bit easier. And if you can provide them the framework to prepare to have those conversations, you're taking one less thing for them to worry about. You're just taking it off the table for them. And then you're creating someone who's empowered to handle it next time. You know, I don't want to be anybody's crutch. You know, that's not my business model. I'm not trying to make people like dependent on me. You know, if your annual subscription's up, you know, time to renew for advice for Sarah. Like, no, it's, I want to give people so this tool that can empower them to handle conflict, become more comfortable with being in uncomfortable situations so that they can get to what everybody wants, which is an authentic connection and understanding and shared definitions of what expectations are and clarity. Like, doesn't that sound nice? Just knowing those things in whether it's your personal life or your professional life, you don't have to worry about those anymore. You, you have, you have the answers. They're right. Cause you talked about them. That'd be great. Right. Well, and, and, and the truth is in most relationships, you have to talk about them a lot. Like you have to mm -hmm. talk about it over and over and over again, yeah. you know, and, and, and creating a framework, you know, my, my wife and I had a period of time and we've been together a long, long time. And, and part of that is, is because we've taken the time, yeah. to communicate about expectations but that framework we had a framework at the end of the day where where we were able to say you know when you spoke this way earlier that mm -hmm. that hurt me and yeah. and and caused me to feel this way and 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 in most relationships people their tendency is but that's your problem right that that, that made you feel that way but in a but in a, in a true relationship, the person that causes the pain wants to own that, mm -hmm. right? And and there has to be this place in between where, okay, I, I don't, my mission, my goal in this, in our relationship, because we have a, a relationship that's not about power and control, right? right? Our, our goal is to empower each other, not disempower. <laughs> 
and so yeah. so being able to to open myself up to okay if if those words i used hurt you that then you know then i i want to change those and mm -hmm. the next step was really you know oh it made me feel really good when when you said this right and so you, you get a balance of of okay this this thing hurt me this and then you know being able to talk about expectations and it I guess we're down this relationship road. So I know that this isn't necessarily where your business is headed in leadership right. development, but, but, but the truth is in relationships, if we can't talk about sex and money and our expectations around sex and around money, then, then how are you going to talk about anything else? Because sex and money are the two amazing things that we have in this world, <laughs> especially for entrepreneurs. I'm going to tell you, yeah. right. If you're, <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be loving money and you need to be loving sex and trying to get as much of both as you can, you know, inappropriate relationships and places. So, um, but, but the willingness to talk about those things, yeah. I, I think is, is broken. You know, we've been told from a, from a young age, you know, not to talk about money, not to talk about sex. And then you get into these relationships and, and we're just supposed to know what to do. Right. right. <laughs> we're just supposed to know what, what makes the other person feel better in, in, in having sex or what makes the other person feel better in how they spend money or use money. And, and we're afraid to have conversations about those two things. Yeah. Whoo. Hello. And, and of course in business, you know, being able to talk about money is, is pretty important and being able to, to know, know your expectations for money in your business, know what you want your business to do in regards to money yeah. um, is really important and making it okay. And so I think the more in a relationship, especially in a business relationship that you can talk about some of these hard things, it stands out, right? And it, yeah. it makes your relationship very unique. Well, and I would say, you know, for the world of, you know, business and specifically what my company focuses on is that manager, you know, direct report relationship. Um, what I would say are the things that are the hardest for people to talk about is, of course, money. So any any type of um, aspirations or goals or how driven somebody is. Um, there's a lot of mixed messages out there in our culture uh, for men and women about what is and isn't appropriate to talk about with your manager about what your goals are. You know, how are you supposed to have an effective conversation about what your future in a company looks like if you have to be so worried about, well, if I talk about wanting too much growth, it will make me look like I'm not happy where I am and they'll let me go. Like that's a tricky situation to be in. You want to grow, but you don't want to grow too much. And it's like, how do you navigate that? Um, so there's that. And then I think the other thing is talking about uh, how to actually um, communicate feedback in general, positive and negative. Uh, if you don't know how to, as a manager, if you don't know how to tailor your feedback to each individual direct report in a way that their defenses won't go up or that they won't dismiss it, you know, outright because it's just a bunch of fluff and they don't care. Like you have to be able to know how to say it. So they go, 
oh, not only am I understanding what you're saying, I'm understanding if it's critical feedback, I understand why it's a problem, who it affects, why that's a big deal, and also what I can do to improve. If it's oh. positive feedback, you almost need the same situation. Great. Thank you for the positive feedback, but also I understand why it's a big deal, how it fits into the big picture, and how I can do more of it. Not just a good job, buddy, you know, like it needs to be tailored. And you can't do that if you haven't had what I call foundation conversations between those two parties. And, you know, back to where we started. Did you ask that? Did you? Did you ask that question? It's a really powerful question. How do you like feedback? I've I've worked with people who they would their entire year would be made if their boss got up in front of a group of people and announced loudly, you know, so and so did this and it was amazing and look at what they did and the initiative and I'm so proud of them and I think it's so incredible. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, this is the best day of my life. I just, I'm just basking in it. I've also worked with people. If their boss did that, they'd be mortified. Mm -hmm. They would crumble up and die inside and just like, stop looking at me. Like I never want to do that again. Cause I never want them to announce it again. <laughs> but imagine, I mean, obviously, in, in thinking about a production floor and, and, a, and, a, and a leader and manager mm -hmm. and having that level of communication with each of their direct reports, the impact that has on their productivity Absolutely. and, and their attitude at, at work. Right. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you could think of typical management employee relationships and it's, you know, the manager comes on the floor and we need 400 by the end of the day. Blah, you guys get it done. You know, and then and then everybody on the floor grumbles and says, you know, they never appreciate us. And, you know, you, you think about the the Hollywood level of <laughs> uh, that communication. And the truth is, when a company really cares about people and can create relationship and, and give management the opportunity to lean into people's lives a little bit so not only do they know how that person wants to receive feedback they know a little bit about their family they know why they're working there they know you know and not not enough information to be manipulative because right. manager can be right we're, we're either inspiring people or we're manipulating people right, right. that those those are the two types of leadership out there <laughs> and 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 we want to encourage, and obviously I think your company and your goal is to encourage leaders who inspire yes. and to give them the tools and frameworks to be more inspirational. Absolutely. And that's why it plays so well in, in personal relationship is, is if you have these same conversations in a personal relationship, you become a, an inspiration to your partner rather than a manipulator rather than, you know, using your partner or using your behavior to get your partner to do the things that you want them to do. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's really interesting that you touched on that. Um, I, I have what I call an ick factor around any um, company that constantly talks about we're a family, we're a family, we're a family. Um, because I do think that 
it can be a crutch that if a manager they, they could think they're really connecting with their individuals because they know about uh, you know their family or their preferences or what they do outside of work or they get really involved um, are there some positives to that sure is that a optimized respectful and fully repeatable equitable way to treat all your employees absolutely not you can't be best friends with your direct reports it's just going to blow up in your face it's not it's not a good rule to be like that's my management style it it, it won't work long term um i'm i'm a big believer that if you've got one one report who is an open book and they want to talk about you know what they did on the weekend and you know their kids soccer practice or their families this or whatever they did on you know that night wonderful that's totally fine but the other direct report who chooses to be more private about their personal life should be able to have the same professional connection with you and receive the same amount of attention and care that that other person does. We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit smilingcall.com and select a time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, it's meeting people where they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it and it being okay for each person to be in a different in a different space. And I think obviously these are huge generalizations, right? That this yeah. idea that all the employees going to respond to management in in the same way is is obviously a, a simplification and and a generalization. But but the reality of being able to ask you know mm-hmm. how how do you want your feedback how how do you want to have this conversation um i i typically on the surface despise annual review like you know really i mean uh, if you can wait a year to review somebody and then and then adjust their performance based on on your opinion of them that day of the year then then, then great right I mean, I think productivity is is a daily thing, and if we want to yeah. improve productivity, we've got it. But the the challenge so often in in reviews is, first of all, it's typically one human being's opinion of another's, yeah, and and it's based on their mood that day, right? You can't avoid it, right? I mean, if the manager, you know, had a bad weekend and is was was having a fight with their spouse the whole weekend and then they go into work to do reviews that's going to impact how these reviews come out it just is where it's human nature right yeah but, 
But I think in the longer term, the, the way a manager treats people on a daily basis and, and how they deal with expectations on a daily basis is far more powerful than, than what they're doing in a, in a, you know, a review of somebody's performance, you know, once a year or, or once every six months. I, I think that thinking about a, a, something that's productive, but in, in the idea of communication, you know, being able to ask those questions, being able to have those conversations, being able to know people a little more intimately mm-hmm. is, is really powerful. And it, and that's going to lead to improved, improved conversations, first of all, yep. but it's also going to lead to improved, you know, productivity and people are going to want to do better. <laughs> they're they're going to, because they're going to accept the feedback at, at a different level. And, and I think that's, that's super powerful, right? In, in a, in a, in a leader subordinate relationship that, that can be super, super important. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I also agree with uh, your example of annual review. Uh, that's garbage. Uh, <laughs> but however, uh, I think annual reviews are an important tool to use in tandem. So I encourage, uh, you know, not only a foundation setting conversation, but regular touch bases at a minimum once monthly um, to not just talk about what projects you're doing or things like that, but to talk about, you know, goals, where are you at, where are you in relation to expectations, where are you succeeding, where do you need help, why do you need help, Um, you know, conversations like that. So the annual review is all fueled by those conversations. And I always like to say annual reviews should never, ever, ever, ever be a surprise to anyone. It is a wonderful way to have a regular cadence um, for companies uh, to handle the finance aspect of any type of bonuses or raises or um, promotions or something like that. Um, And it's a great way to set goals for the following year. Um, but if to your point, if you don't have those regular touch points, then that's just wasted time. It's, yeah, completely useless. Um, I, I will say, too, uh, back to something else you were saying um, that I think is important, because a, a couple people have asked me this here or there as I talk about Lux Leadership Coaching and and its goals, I do talk a lot about it from a manager's aspect because that is my target audience. However, during the the course, it is also training and educating them that it isn't just a you know supervisor subordinate thing and it just all goes this way. You have to create an environment where the feedback can go up this way too. And how can you specifically with new managers, but sure, established managers as well, it's so tricky to toe the line between being vulnerable as a manager to a direct report and being past that line to now that they're not sure about your ability to lead. Sounds like being a coach. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, yeah. I get it. I mean, so so my original or, or best example background was was military, and and military creates the the management 
um, worker division between officers and NCOs. And of course, you know, officers have graduated college. So lieutenants and, you know, second lieutenants and lieutenants are in their, you know, 23, 24, you know, and then of course, Marines come out of boot camp at 18, 19 and, you know, private, so, but you can get to NCO, you know, by the time you're in the 21 range. And so, but, but in the end, we all put our pants on the same way. We all have the same relational issues. We're all still, still human, but they created this, this division, right. And, and they the officers couldn't fraternize, right. So management can't fraternize <laughs> with, with subordinates and it, 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 it paints this false, this false line in between the two. And, and like you said, to humanize themselves, they have to, they have to come close to the line, right? They have to, they have to dance on this, on this edge. And, and we do it as coaches, right? People want to hear our vulnerability. They want to hear our, where we've struggled and where we've failed. And yet there's a, there's a place where you feel like, well, you know, if I'm running my business this way and I'm failing in this way, then who's going to hire me as a coach if I can't, you know, if I can't make sales calls and I can't do those things. Right. I mean, um, and, and so there is this, this place where you, you, your authority, your authority get feels like it's getting washed away if you're too vulnerable. So uh, let's dig into that authenticity. I, I, I mean, I, I think, this online space is, and, and social space has created, you know, my favorite is the person that goes and rents a uh, fancy car and an Airbnb for a weekend to take all their social media post pictures right. for the year. Right. Um, and, and they're clearly acting above their, <laughs> above their means. Um, and, and of course, then there's people that, that look like they have the means, but they're leveraged. Right. And, and, right. and they, they've, they're still, you know, they've got all those things, but their debt load is, is, is so high, you know, versus somebody who's actually saved up the cash and, and purchased things when they can afford it. So you just, you never can tell, right. right? I mean, even the, even our famous Hollywood or, or sports, you know, we always hear about somebody declaring bankruptcy, even after they've, you know, got a $40 million house and 10 cars and all, yeah. so it can happen to anybody, but Let's talk about your view of authenticity in that space and authenticity for a manager and, and, yeah. and how that translates into, you know, being able to tell your true story, be your true self. Yeah. I, uh, I recently, I've been um, getting some testimonials together uh, and one of them uh, I'm excited to, you know, eventually get on my website and, and share with everybody, but it was a good confirmation for me of like, yep, I'm doing the right thing. I helped this person and I want to help more people like them. Um, what they shared was something that I've been kind of um, beating the drum about lately, uh, especially with the new managers that I work with, is it, what you're talking about with the, you know, officers and, and privates and that, you know, there's that, that big distinction. I think in the business world, as a new manager, a lot of people impose on themselves this whole new persona that they have to be because they have an idea of what a manager is. And a manager has all the answers for everything and they can fix anything and they know everything and they're this, you know, larger than life being. 
And one of the most powerful things that I've been able to equip people with is not only the ability to say this, but the permission sometimes to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And and have the permission to say that in a conversation with a direct report if they ask something. And if you don't know, tell them you don't know. Don't try to make something up, especially if it's in the world of HR. That's just going to get you in trouble. <laughs> just, just say you don't know. But back to your point about authenticity and, and, and that line and how do you ba- balance it, don't just say, I don't know. You let them know, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know who to speak to. I'm going to speak to them in the next couple of business days, and I'm going to come back to you with an answer. That right there is a, oh, cool, that person knows what's going on. They're going to get me that answer. They're supporting me. They heard me. They're helping me. You know, not they just, you know, blew smoke up up, and just were like, yeah, sure. This is the answer. It's a lie. You know, and well, and that and that plays into distrust of management, right? Distrust mm -hmm. of leadership. When 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 leadership tells you something that doesn't doesn't sit right, you're like, well, that's not what I heard. I can't be true. Right. And then. And then you realize, oh, that that person's not trustworthy. Um, so it is obviously much better to say, oh, man, I don't know what, but I'm going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and really then again, question. you're modeling, usually most companies that, that I know about, you're modeling a behavior that most companies want. The ability to be honest, but also being able to take the initiative to figure something out. So as a manager in that interaction, you're also showing to your direct report the type of behavior that you want them to tackle day-to-day -day problems with. You don't want them to, you know, make a mistake and sweep it under the rug, you know, and be dishonest. You don't want them just to go to people and say, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. You, most companies want people with a certain level of initiative and honesty. And huh. why sounds not like, have that? Sounds like parenting. <laughs> well, why not have that modeled in your management as well? Absolutely, and 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 it is one of the challenges in parenting. And and obviously, our parents learn from their parents, who learn from their parents. And most parents were pretty poorly equipped to to be parents, yeah. and and parents that take on the role of parent as a as a corporate. I'm in the power seat. Mm -hmm right? Demand that their children do certain things versus yeah. the parents who take on the role of leadership, inspire their children to do certain things. Yeah. And, and the difference is staggering. And the difference when those children leave the home and become adults and decide who their friends are going to be, who their trusted voices in their life are going to be, right? And I, and I think management can get stuck in that same space Yeah, <laughs> that I'm the manager. You have to listen to me right. versus I'm the manager. I, I want you to listen to me because I can help you. I can inspire you. I can encourage you. I can, I've got the information that's going to make you a better person, yeah. not just make you get the most output. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. And, and I, and I think, corporations are now starting to recognize 
how much more important leadership is than management. Yeah, you know, with with those kinds of definitions, I I agree. It it really has led to, um, you know, some people thinking or corporations thinking management's the way of the past, and that can also, in my opinion, also get you in trouble. Um, I've had conversations with with people in in the leadership areas where time and time again they'll see people who have leadership traits and are doing well get put into management positions because they want to have a leadership type of management but you still need a certain level of base skills that i think still fall into that bucket of management and if you don't have that then you're still going to be an ineffective leader absolutely absolutely and and the same with parenting i think mm-hmm. you if you don't just like running your own business if you don't take the time to develop yourself to yeah. to improve yourself to to find out the things that you know um a conversation that really stuck out with me was I was speaking to a group of men and I talked about getting down on my knees and telling my son, I was sorry. And and one of the, one of the people listening was like, I would never like, that's not, you know, it was not even in his comprehension as the father to say, to, to have, uh, to admit that he made a mistake as, as a parent, like, man, I make more mistakes as a parent than I've ever made doing anything else I've ever done. Like, you know, I mean, these people are, these little monsters are living in my house for 18 years, night, well, almost 20 years by the time it was done because <laughs> they both aged out during COVID. So there was no going anywhere. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously living with your children for 18 years, I promise you're making tons of mistakes and, yeah. and, and being willing to, to say, to being willing to own it and, <laughs> and say, look, I'm, I'm trying to change this. I'm, I'm working on it, but Whew, yeah. man, I'm a tough cookie to change. So some of these habits are pretty ingrained and I didn't even know it. So, yeah. <laughs> so and and well, it's interesting to, to see people's understanding of leadership and position yeah. and, and feeling like if they were to, if they were to apologize to a direct report or they were to apologize to somebody for, for making a mistake that it would just weaken their position. And and I think it it does the exact opposite. It strengthens your position in the long run. Sure, maybe it weakens it in the moment, but I don't, I don't, I never wanted to manipulate my kids. I never wanted my kids to, you know, of course there's a period of time in your children's life. There's a period of time in your employees' lives where you just have to tell them what they have to do. Yep. You've just got to do this, right? Yep. But there's also a period of time where you're preparing them for their own life. And they won't have you there to babysit them. They won't have you there to go through a checklist and say, do this, do this, do this, do this, right? They, they're going to have to make their own choices. And so if you don't lay the groundwork for people to make their own choices, you know, one of the things that we do as coaches in our business is helping business owners recognize their values. Yeah. What are the things that really matter to you? Just like a company, that if a company knows the things that really matter to them, and they pass those on to their employees or they hire employees based on those values mm-hmm. that's really important to them, then they know that their decision-making is in alignment and, and it starts from a different place. You know that you have employees that are making decisions based on similar values 
and then you can extend a higher level of trust because you've you've talked about these values and you've had conversations about how these values impact the, the decisions that you make the reason you know it's too easy for a parent or a manager to say well we can't afford that right or we don't have enough money versus right. you know that that widget thing sounds like a great idea it could increase our productivity but right now our budget's focused in this area which is the truth in in business and in in your family life right no, we, we can't buy that toy today because right now food's more important, right? Right. But we don't say that. We just say we don't have any money. And so all kids, all direct reports here is, well, there's just no money. There's just no this. They don't want to spend any money on anything. When the truth is something different, right? It's the same conversation. Have you told them the truth? Have you told them, you know, where the money's going? Have you talked about why the company spends money this way? What are the values decisions that are driving how the company is spending money, right? And, and when you can have those conversations, especially at a small business level, mm-hmm. your employees, your your subcontractors, your people that you're outsourcing things to could start to understand those are the things that are really important to him. Your children can understand, oh man, that's what's really important to my dad. That's why he's you know trying to pay off the house or he's trying to do this with the money so that, yeah, right? And, and it makes a difference, right? You know, yeah, kids aren't going to understand, hey, I can't have a toy or candy today because mom and dad are putting money in a college fund, whatever the blazes that is, right? <laughs> but but as your children start to get older and start to see the best way to equip them to make better decisions as an adult is to tell them why you're making decisions the way that you're making them rather than just telling them because I said so. Absolutely. And, and again, I think there's a lot of fear around what is appropriate or allowed to be communicated. Now, of course, you have to work within whatever policy your your company has. Sure. You know, that first and foremost. But in my experience, you know, back back to the the first part of it, I can't tell you how many times I've apologized. <laughs> I I I mess up. I'm I am human. I've made bad decisions. I've made decisions without the right information or consulting the right people and missed a big thing. And, um, you know, I apologized for those things. But to your point, I also communicated what I was going to do in the future differently to make sure that that didn't happen again. Hmm. So it's not just an empty, like, sorry, it's, I, I really understand these are the steps I'm going to take going forward. And then one of my favorite phrases between a manager and a direct report, especially in a situation like that is, can you help me with that? Because again, you're tapping into the potential of your employee and activating that. And I can't tell you how many times with all the people I've worked with and coached, how often I am blown away by what people are capable of (laughs) and what they bring to the table. If as a leader and a manager, if you can get better in the skill set of explaining the, that why that you're talking about the bigger picture and why you're making the decisions you're making now, you've just, you know, turned on something in somebody's brain over here and over here and over here. And the next thing you know, 
your next check-in, they'll be like, hey, I was thinking about that. What about this? And I've often literally had to just sit back in my chair and go, how did you come up with that? Where did that Imagine come from? Doing the same thing, doing the same thing for your children, right? Yeah. Can you help me with that? And and, mm-hmm. and I mean it's a that's a empowerment phrase, right? You're you're Absolutely. empowering somebody to to bring something back to you that that yeah. they either see in you or you know, can you can you help me with that? Rather than just saying, Oh, I'm gonna work on that, right? But can you help me with that? Whew, so powerful. All right, Sarah, we end every episode with our guests sharing their words of wisdom. What would you share? My words of wisdom is as much as humans want to be complicated, we're very predictable and simple. And when it comes down to it, all of us are just trying to make connections with each other. And there's a way to help facilitate those connections in an easier way uh, than what most people think is possible. Uh, and I would love to you know, help people tap into that and get everybody back on page of actually connecting and not pretending and being honest with each other so that we can all focus on whatever the actual goals that we're trying to achieve are. Whew, powerful. Powerful stuff, Sarah. Can't wait to see what you create with this. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be, losing sight of what's truly important. This tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do, like spending quality time with loved ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Trevor shares how he started helping people build websites and then became an expert at LinkedIn. We chat about the buyer's journey and his personal mantras, be brave, be curious, and be grateful.